Cube Radio. You are listening to the Car Guide Podcast with Louis-Philippe Dubé and Gabriel Gélina. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the 13th episode of the Car Guide Podcast. My name is LP. I'm with Gab on uh, this episode again. Hi, Gab. How are you? <laughs> good yourself? Very good. Very good. We're slowly rolling into summer uh, with all this rain in Montreal. Hopefully, that's going to change. But um, today, I uh, last week, we were at the Montreal Electric Car Auto Show, which is a large electric car auto show per se because Montreal has been having it for a couple of years now even before the pandemic yeah just imagine you know we're talking about car shows uh, all over the world yeah you know losing popularity and things like that and in Montreal we have a car show that's entirely dedicated just to electric vehicles yes and it gets more <laughs> it gets <laughs> very day, popular per day it gets more visitors than the Regular auto show, yeah. In if Montreal, you, if so you calculate the the uh, the visitors per yeah, day, that's, exactly. that's that's overall. It's very interesting that we can get this in Montreal, and manufacturers yeah. are interesting uh, interested in it. Uh, a couple of cars that were there: Polestar, uh, um, Hyundai, uh, Genesis, uh, Tesla. Everybody was there, um, and some even some manufacturers that weren't at the Montreal Auto Show or Toronto mm -hmm. Auto Show showed up with a couple of electric yeah, cars, like Audi, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, for, for, manufacturers like that. Yeah. For, for example. Yeah. And I was in the uh, and uh, we spent some time in uh, in the booth there for uh, the car guide and a lot of people came up and asking questions and we would think that in these shows people would have all the information and you know electric car owners the cliche with all the paperwork and saying well this car is better than this and my Tesla is better than that and and whatnot and then what what it, it, it attracted a lot of people with question marks about mm -hmm. uh, electric cars. So today, yeah, what it, newbies to the uh, yeah, EV mobility. Right, but exactly. we're willing to spend money. I yeah, mean, yeah, sure, absolutely. A lot of people had... Yeah, but also, yeah. you know, as you mentioned, wanting answers to specific questions yes. and, and wanting to know if it's the right fit for them as yes. well, which I think is important. And it's one of the things, you know, because people have been driving gas cars forever and now they see, you know, EVs taking up in popularity. They see their neighbors getting an EV, things like that. They right. see more of them on the road and now they start thinking about making the switch, yep. but they want to know if it's the right fit for them. Yes. And that's, that's the key question. Exactly, uh, exactly. Because, because everybody's The, the way in which we drive our cars varies wildly from one individual yeah. to the next. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody had the same questions. Yeah, exactly. It was so different. And you said, you know, like the neighbor gets an, an EV yeah. and then, you know, he or she comes up and says, oh, it's wonderful. You know, I don't, I don't spend any gas, but that person has a totally different lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. And when you're, you're saying, well, I don't want to spend money on gas. I don't want to stop at the gas station anymore. But your lifestyle is completely different. Maybe you'll have... You know, a lot of problems and it's not going to be a good decision for you. So um, I want to go over one question that I was asked and someone came up and said, you know, what's the difference between hybrid, plug-in hybrid and electric? And I was like, well, we kind of take it for granted, this kind of knowledge, because we're always in it as auto journalists. But it's it's uh, it's gone from basically only Uh, hybrid cars to all kinds of different hybrid cars all the way to el fully electric yeah. and there's been so much new stuff in the industry that we take you know for granted we, we think it's trivial but for some people it's important to know because it might be the right fit for them instead of yeah. an electric car or an electric car instead of a hybrid yeah. 
Um, to start off, everybody knows what a hybrid is. I mean, a, a traditional hybrid, think of the, the first Toyota Prius, for example, gas engine, electric motors, and uh, a, a battery. Sometimes I said motors, sometimes it's only one motor, sometimes it's two motors because you have all-wheel drive with the vehicle. So think about it as a, a, as a, as a gas engine that's hooked up with an electric motor and a, a, a battery that can work together to be able to save uh, and uh, on efficiency. Yeah, but in a classic hybrid, like you yeah. just described, the only way to get energy into the battery yeah. is through braking, exactly. through deceleration. Yeah. It's whenever you get off, you lift off the throttle, yeah. then the electric motor essentially becomes a, a generator yes. and sends back some electrons to the battery yes. so that you can use them again next time you, you step on the gas. Right. So there's no way of putting energy into the vehicle other than deceleration mm -hmm. or braking or you know going downhill things like that yeah that's a classic hybrid yes it yeah. takes it makes the most out of the vehicle and the dynamics of it to fill up the battery and use reuse this energy to be able to use it on the long run and you know sometimes more sometimes marginally save on fuel efficiency for example you know the well-known toyota rav4 suv the compact suv uh and the uh, the all-wheel drive rav4 uh uses Uh, about eight liters to 100 kilometers combined driving on a gas RAV4. On the hybrid, it's six. So two point, uh, two, two liters per 100 kilometers, roughly. That's Less, all, yeah. all, all depending on your driving because yeah. let's, let's say a traditional hybrid will, will consume more gas on the highway than it does in the city. Sure. Exactly because of what you said, because it cannot recuperate energy as much as uh, it does in the city. So, Gas savings, no need to plug it. And usually nowadays in 2023, these hybrids are more, more accessible. They're, you can buy them. They're, they're, they're not as accessible as gas cars, but they will be the next level up that it's a little bit more accessible compared to yeah. the next hybrids we're going to talk about, the PHEV and BEVs. It's also a way for some manufacturers, you know, we also talk about Uh, mild hybrid cars, yeah. you know, which is basically an electric motor that's sandwiched between the uh, gasoline engine and yes. the gearbox, the automatic gearbox. And so <clears throat> with a mild hybrid, it's a way sometimes for manufacturers to meet targets with regards to fuel economy right. or emissions, because you have this input that's being given by mm. uh, the electric uh, motor. Yeah. Usually these cars have a, um, an electrical system that's 48 volt. Yes. Just to power this, uh, this electric motor. And just that it, it, you can, you can hook it up to a V8 engine or a V6 engine, even in some, you know, very powerful cars. Yeah. It's popular. It's very popular in the, in the, uh, the, the luxury car segment. Exactly. You know, Land Rover, Mercedes. Exactly. There you go. You know, I'll use this, this so technology. All of those, all of those vehicles have a 48 volt uh, electrical system and you get some benefits. Uh, even, even if you don't reduce the fuel consumption all that much. Yeah. <laughs> you do get the instant torque yeah. of the electric motor. So when you're talking about a Range Rover or you're talking about a large German luxury car. Yes. That's a heavy vehicle. And so you get better performance off the line, you mm -hmm. know, quicker acceleration, quicker response, I should say. And, um, you know, that's the reason why you have those more and more yeah. uh, in, in, in those types of vehicles. It's it's called MHEV, exactly. and it's usually a, a 48 volt system. That's what it, when, you, when you're shopping into those luxury segments, a lot of manufacturers like Mercedes, for example, with the GLE, the midsize uh, SUV say, well, 
our whole lineup of GLEs is now hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> is it hybrid? It's MHEV. It is hybrid technically it's a because mild hybrid. There's, exactly. a, there's a hybrid, <laughs> but it's it's a motor. It's not necessarily met, met for for uh, for g- f- saving tons of fuel, like I mentioned yeah, with yeah. the RAV4 example with yeah. the HEV. Mm. But it does give you more performance on paper and on the road, and also helps them you know meet some standards as well and enables them to stay that such and such a percentage of their vehicle lineup is electrified. Yes, electrified. (laughs) It looks good on a press release. It looks good on a website. (laughs) Not fully electric, but electrified. Electrified. One more for that column. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Next up is the very, very popular, I mean, at the show in Montreal, I get a lot of questions uh, from PHEVs, the uh, plug-in hybrid um, electric vehicles. That's um, So here again, you know, the the, the difference is it's the same as a hybrid vehicle, but you can actually plug it in right. to an outlet and get current delivered straight from, you know, a, a, a charger yes. or, or even your home yeah. sometimes because some of those those cars can be uh, recharged, not necessarily on 220, but also some of them can take charge on, on a 110 outlet, a regular uh, uh, 110 outlet. Of course, yeah. And, and, so, it, and can also be charged on the public, on public level yeah, two chargers. Absolutely. Like so <clears throat> in a way, uh, you know, I... Just last week, I drove a Volvo S60 uh, T8 recharge, which is exactly that. It's a, a plug-in hybrid uh, car. So you've got the, the gasoline engine with its turbocharger and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you've got uh, the electric motor uh, on, the, on the car. And you could, I could plug that in to a regular walled outlet you know, in my garage. Yeah. 110 uh, volt. And it would take little over 12 hours to fully recharge the battery. And that was good for like 62 kilometers of purely electric driving. Right. So in many ways, you know, obviously if you, if you plug it in every night and you don't drive all that much, you know, the gas engine doesn't, basically doesn't run mm-hmm. unless you're driving in winter yep. and then there's a demand for heat for the cabin and things like that. And also because, you know, these, these plug-in hybrids or even the, regular hybrids in winter they their engine tar, their um, internal combustion engine has to start to warm up because if it if you start driving just on the electric power and you're driving down the highway you're going 100 kilometers an hour and then you run out of juice in the battery the engine has to start yeah and it has to run at 100 kilometers an hour cold start cold with, start, with exactly. throttle in <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you're yeah. using so that's you're the reason more why gas. exactly yeah. that's the reason why when you start them in the in the winter immediately the uh, the gasoline engine will fire up even if you do have uh, uh, energy in the battery just because it needs to warm up the engine yeah. so that it's ready to perform when it's going to be needed yes so again uh, those are those vehicles are less efficient in winter but then again so are fully gas-powered engines. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. Less efficient in winter as well. Yeah. Uh, for the same reason, you know, warming up the cabin and things like that. Yeah. And all and these vehicles, like we we're, we're talking about PHEVs now, for example, the, I took the example of the RAV4, the RAV4 Prime, everything that's Prime in a Toyota, yeah. you know, it's, it's their plug-in hybrids. And like you said, 
you can drive on so many kilometers at the beginning. I mean, there's a wide range of cars that are yeah. plug-in hybrid. I mean, I got an example here with the uh, the Ferrari SF90 Stradale. It's it's <laughs> it's it's a plug-in hybrid. No, it you is. know, not a lot of people know, but it can only drive for 25 kilometers. I guess that 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 range is to get out of the neighborhood when you started to not annoy your 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 <laughs> your yeah, neighbors or, or to be able to access city centers in Europe because a yes. lot of them now uh, are restricted. Uh, with regards to, to, to gasoline-powered vehicles, and they only allow electric vehicles in. Mm-hmm. So if you have a hybrid and you can save the energy of the battery for that part of your commute, yeah, you can drive your SF Stradale into the center of the city yeah. of London. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's all the way to, or all the way down to the new uh, Prius Prime, which I yeah. drove a couple of weeks back, and this one gives you 72 kilometers. And that's that's uh, that's one, if not the, 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 the most, uh, the, the one that gives you the most range, what, 72 kilometers? Which is when you think about it, what you mentioned earlier is someone you know that goes from uh, from home to school to you know running some errands and coming back home and does that. It can the 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 owner can do that for two weeks without you know putting five dollars of gas or anything like that. So um, the important thing with the PHEVs is that you have to be able. And you have to plug in. Yeah, absolutely. Because obviously, otherwise you negate the, the whole the whole proposition. The whole the whole proposition. Yeah. It's a more expensive yeah. vehicle. It's a more <laughs> expensive sure. hybrid. Sure. It's a heavier one. Yeah. And if you don't plug it in at home, that's you're dragging all this hardware. And, yeah. and, and, and you're it, in many ways they're a little bit compromised. These PHEVs because you get the advantages and the inconveniences of both types of drivetrain. That's very interesting. So yeah. when you're driving, like, for example, on the freeway, and you're you know, running on gas because you're going quicker and your battery's been depleted, you're dragging around the weight of that battery and that electric motor for nothing. Yeah. And the same, the same way is that when you're driving in the city with a full battery, you're driving around the vehicle <laughs> with, with the and you're dragging engine, yeah. An, an, yeah, an internal <laughs> combustion engine and its gas tank for nothing. Yeah, that's interesting. But, yeah. but you do get the advantages of both in that when you're driving in the city, you can run zero emissions. Yeah. And uh, if, you, like you said, if you don't have that much of a commute, you're not even, you're not burning gas. But at the same time, if you need to go, you know, spur of the moment, whatever, you want to go to the Laurentians, uh, or you, you, know, you, you want to get out of town into the countryside with a PHEV. You don't even you don't have to think. Well, wait a minute. You know, do I, uh, as opposed to a pure EV, pure yeah. electric vehicle, battery electric vehicle, you don't have to think about. You know, is my battery fully charged? Will I have enough range to exactly. make it? Things like that. You just get in your car and go. Yeah, and you're burning gas. Yes, you're em- emitting. Uh, you know, greenhouse gases, yes. And you can fuel in five minutes at any gas stations and mm-hmm. you'll always find one open on the road and they're all, usually some of them are open 24 hours a day. Yeah, so like so. you mentioned, it's it's <laughs> com- a lot of compromise but a lot of lot of advantages yeah, depending of, on your driving. Yeah, a lot of benefit. Yeah. You know, for example, that, that S60 Volvo that I drove last week, I mean, you know, the, I, I was plugging in it every night and sometimes I was driving further than certain days further away than, than others. But all in all, you know, when I when I brought it back to fill up the tank, it cost eight dollars and sixty four cents. Yeah, and you know, I, I drove the car for a week. Yeah, so that's, it's you know that's good. It's good because and that's another factor to to think about is that for for my part, I live in an apartment building, a condo mm-hmm. building that's a two thousand thirteen uh, construction, but it doesn't. It's not equipped with anything in the, the both basements where my my the indoor car garage, the parkade is, and there's no outlets, not even a one ten outlet on my my spot, and there's no plans for 
any electrical, you know, uh, um, enhancement or upgrades for electric cars. So I live downtown Montreal. Uh, for me, I would never be able to plug it unless I go to your house and then <laughs> plug it there. Or, you know, like if I say, okay, I want to I wanna take advantage of the, the full electric power, I have to go out and find a parallel park. I have to pay for that parking that, that you know, like the, the, the for c- a public charger. city of Montreal yeah. parking yeah. for, and then the public charging, which is, yeah. you know, $4 an hour for parking. I can only park for certain hours during the day and then a dollar and something an hour for the level two charger park it there for four hours you so, know yeah. so for you an electric car doesn't work in, in your present situation and even a PHEV yeah. because for that for that present situation and then yeah. and I can argue for days with someone who says no no you know like a, like a someone that's really you know ecological and says you need that you need this uh-huh. I mean it's for me an HEV would be much better because yeah. I would save a little bit on gas because you know like I'm doing city driving I live in the city so I could recuperate that energy mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it could reflect maybe depending on the model yeah. on uh, my, 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 my my fuel bill however the PHEV I would be dragging that all the time and if I wanted to plug it I'd have to go you know yeah. to, to a certain extent to, to, to you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't make sense other than than, than fueling it and running it on, on full gas yeah. Yeah. and then you get to the pure EVs, you know, yep. full battery electric. So uh, that, yeah, yeah. Then you need a level two charger at your house. Yes. In order to, to be happy, yeah. <laughs> you need a level two charger at your yeah. house. So at the end, it's and the BEVs, what, what, what you, you, you read on the media called battery electric vehicles, HEV, PHEV, and BEVs. There's, there's uh, in between categories, REEVs, which is the range extenders, like yeah, the yeah. volts and what Mazda's working on, on the, on the rotary engines. And there's also the FCEVs, which is the, the hydrogen and fuel cell but you know there's no point talking about those because they're they're still very very uh, not very present in the automotive landscape at the moment but still other hybrid forms but at the BEV uh, a level that's what everybody's talking about now and is having a, an electric car and, and we're talking about it every week because we drive one uh, you know if not every month and uh, in, in, on the press fleets and that requires you know some uh, brings a lot of benefits some compromises yeah You know, like you said. You know, you know what? The thing with a BEV is that as long as you have a home charger, you're okay because you're. This is the, the trick. This the, is this yeah, is the exactly. key to, to happiness. Because with a, you're with you're an plugging it every night, and if you have a home charger, people ask you how long does it take to charge a car? Thirty seconds. That's the time it takes to actually plug the car in, and then you walk into your house and you make dinner and you do the homework <laughs> with the kids. I like it. Yeah. And you watch Netflix or the NHL playoffs or whatever on TV. Charge, yeah. Exactly. And overnight, while you sleep, the thing fills up. Yeah. So every morning, you could conceivably walk out to a car with a full, you know, full battery, full energy. And, and the way I describe it to people, it's like, think about it as if you're driving a gas car with a small gas tank, but you fill it up every night. Yep. <laughs> you know? That's it. So you every morning- go anywhere. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. You're, 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 you're ready to go. Right. What kills the, the yep. thing with the, with, the, with the electric car is the, again, it's, it's, it's long distance travel. Yep. And, uh, of course, you know, there are char- public chargers that you can access and you can, you can do long distance travel, but it requires planning. You know, you, ha- you need to think about it. Okay, I'm going to leave tomorrow. I'm going to have 400 kilometers to, to drive to wherever I'm going. Right. I'm going to need to stop at this one, this charger and that charger. And I'm going to be sitting here for 25 minutes at the other one for 35 minutes in yes. order to get to my destination. Something like that. Yeah. And so you pray to God that when you get to the charger, it's free. 
it's working and it's functional. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <clears throat> you know, these are things that you don't even think about when you're driving a gas car. Because right. When you're driving a gas car, you leave your house. Whether the the gas tank is full or not just depends on how soon you have to stop for gas, and that's going to take five minutes, and you're back on the road. Exactly. the The question that came up a lot at the at the auto show was and that's where PHEV really shines. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was it was from people asking me, "We want to buy an EV," and I was, you know, like like we said at the beginning of the podcast, I said, "Well." The question is about lifestyle. So, what do you guys do? Oh, we're retired. Uh, we stay downtown, and we have, or we we stay in the, in the suburbs, and we drive around. You know, not too far. Our daughter lives, you know, fifty kilometers away, a hundred kilometers away, and whatnot. And then, and then we come back home, and and we were able to plug in and uh, install a level two charger at ha- at the home. And it says, well, then go, then go, <laughs> do it, do it. That's perfect. For Another you. couple yeah. comes after that and says, well, yeah, we're kind of a spur of the moment kind of people. We go- we like to go to Florida uh, every year, and then we drive around, you know, Alabama, and then, it, you know, and I was like, you know, it's not that I don't want to, you know. Uh, uh, say that you're, you're you're not EV people, but at the moment it's going to take a lot of planning, and you have to be able to deal with the anxiety and the you know in the in the winter if you stay in in, in yeah. Ontario or in Quebec, you have to deal with the thirty to forty percent loss yeah. on the drive on the on the um, on the battery power. So it's it's there's. There are certain compromises that this type of customer wasn't able to do, and they said at the at the end, so well, okay, you got anything else, or you, you would you recommend anything else? And that's what you said. The PHEV would be something if if they absolutely want uh, something that's pluggable when they drive around in town, exactly. and then something to go, you know, a, a gas to go to, to, to go anywhere else. Yeah, the challenge, you know, again, long distance travel, especially like going to the states. Uh, in, here in Quebec, we're, we're lucky. You know, we have the Circuit Electric from Hydro-Quebec, a huge network of public chargers. Right. And, but when you go down to the States with an electric car, all of a sudden you get to a charger and it's, you know, this supplier or that supplier. Now you have to open up an account. You know, you have to, yeah. you have to. I have 15 apps on my phone. There you from, go. From charging. So networks. you have to read the QR code with your phone. <laughs> then you have to key in your account information, your credit yes. card number, things like that. You have to get an email that approves. You have to confirm you did huh? before you can even plug the darn thing in yes. and get going. You know, so yeah. it's a, it's a bit more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go to the States with an electric vehicle, unless it's a Tesla, because that's where Tesla's competitive advantage resides, is that their network of supercharger is, is all over the, you know, they have yeah. them all over the planet. And it's very rare that I hear that a t- Tesla supercharger is faulty or, or there's, yeah. there's... The only problem broken. you'll find is if you're traveling, you know, like on a long weekend or holidays or whatever, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you have a huge lineup of <laughs> Teslas waiting to charge. Yeah. You know, and that's, that again... Again, long distance travel. Yeah, uh, long distance travel. Nothing beats a gas car. Yeah, it <laughs> you know? definitely is nothing. for now. For now. So hopefully we could uh, we could contribute to your knowledge in hybrid, plug-in hybrid, and electric vehicles because now it's kind of a everything's in the melting pot for for automotive, and uh, there's a lot of things changing uh, day by day, week by week. And uh, keep posted on the on the, the car guide to see uh, uh, the test drives, obviously, but also uh, all the new technical stuff about electric cars. So we we're talking about BEVs, but one of my favorite BEVs is uh, being axed uh, from the automotive landscape, and it's the uh, Chevrolet Bolt, the uh, the last one of the last very small compact vehicles, uh, electric vehicles that you could get in North America, uh, very affordable, inexpensive car, uh, considering all things considered. 
Uh, and uh, well, GM said it's going to be at the end of it, at the end of uh, 2023, and uh, being replaced by, drumroll, SUVs. <laughs> the Equinox and Blazer coming in with the Altium yeah. uh, platform at GM. Yeah. You know, the, the thing about the, the Bolt is that obviously it was a very, you know, it was a very small car, very yep. compact, um, kind of looked very different than everything else in, in, in the landscape. Definitely. And um, it came on the market, you know, before the Tesla Model 3. And when the Tesla Model 3 was introduced, you know, it was like the huge rage and, you know, people were lining up to put a deposit down. You, I remember even in Montreal, you know, it was right. a rainy day. Yeah, and it was like, on the carry. Exactly. Was... <laughs> 150 people lined up to put, you know, like $500 yeah, yeah. down on, on this car. Meanwhile, at the next door, Chevrolet dealer, there was yeah. no, no lineup yes. to buy an electric car that was there that in the was showroom. actually there in the showroom. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So it just tells you a little bit about the power of the Tesla brand. But... <laughs> At any rate, uh, the Bolt was an interesting uh, proposition. Um, it wasn't all that, you know, it was, it was n not a large vehicle by any stretch. Nope. But still, you know, a hatchback, small, uh, small size. It was a good first effort, I think. Exactly. From, uh, from General Motors in the, in the BEV segment. But like you said, you know, the market is... Is now moved to uh, to SUVs, bigger platforms, for, exactly. You know, but you know, and um, you know, more room, roomier cars, more yeah. practical cars, and things like that. Comfort. So, so there you go. So that's where they're going with the uh, with their EVs that are becoming, you know, yeah. uh, SUVs. Yes. Um, Equinox and, and and Blazer, I think also yes. there's a Blazer EV on the Ultium uh, platform, yeah, exactly. which 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 the Bolt isn't on. Uh, yeah, a lot exactly. of people think it is, but yeah, it's it, it, and it came at the end with the uh, EUV trying to get a bigger package. But what, what what was funny with the EUV is that it is it was actually the compact SUV variant, but it had less cargo space than yeah, the EV the, model. Yeah, the one, yeah. the, that space was mm. put at the uh, at the le for the legroom or knee at, at the knees for for uh, for uh, second uh, row passengers. second row passengers, right? Exactly. Uh, but you know, it was it, it, for me. It wasn't because it was a fantastic car or anything. It was just so affordable. Mm. And when you think about you know, give me an EV with nothing in it, and you know, or the uh, the utopic, you know. Tesla that was really supposed to be $30,000 or $35,000 and we, we, we never, you know, really saw. And then, you know, GM came up with the Bolt and then after that, they kind of kept the price low and then even lowered the price at some point because they wanted to get them out. And it was a good proposition. At the end, it was 417 kilometers of range, mm -hmm. you know, which is which is really acceptable. And no, no, you know, funny business with the trims. It was all two two trims, I think, mm -hmm. and and uh, the same uh, motor, the same you know front wheel drive, 417 kilometers of range, and a pretty good proposition for someone who wanted to start with an EV. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, it's going to be replaced by by a bigger vehicles. Hopefully, the pricing looks good on the Equinox. Now they're they're thinking about you know making it very affordable in the entry level uh, trims. Yeah, there's a lot of movement. You know, there's a lot of volatility in pricing with EVs. Oh right my now. god! Because you, you see what say. Tesla's doing. Yeah, you know, cutting prices. Ford's doing it again Same. with the Mackie. Yeah, like ten thousand dollars yeah, off. Exactly. You know, so it's, it's who's uh, winning here? You yeah. know, like <laughs> people. People are buying cars. And well, in many ways, yeah, I'll tell you who's going to be winning is be eventually, hopefully, the consumer yeah. because you know, prices will be more affordable and hopefully. It all has to do with 
production volume you know, right. what, and, and availability of the of the vehicle in the marketplace. So, <clears throat> um, but it's interesting to see just how how, how quickly things are moving uh, in the EV space in terms yeah. of uh, not only in terms of technology, new vehicles, but also in terms of pricing, which has become. Almost dynamic pricing. <laughs> you know, absolutely, yeah. You know? All depend. Every day it's completely yeah. different, and obviously these uh, manufacturers want to want to put more, you know, attain some certain targets, put more vehicles on the road, and then you know it's by by lowering the prices. And it, it, the, the trend kind of started with with Tesla, I think, because manufacturers didn't do that before. They mm-hmm. put out wait, you know, a certain period of time if, in between quarters, and then put out a, a, a press release. You know, and say, okay, we're lowering or we're upping the prices on on, on certain models. But now, t- Tesla it was well, I would say it was a tweet, but it wasn't even a tweet. <laughs> you, you, you go on the website, the Model Three is cheaper today. Let's let's buy it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So all in all, to say that uh, we're hoping that the cheaper EVs will stay uh, in the in, in in the market because it's it it, it gives the electric vehicle uh, um, a feeling that you, it's attainable and you can. You know, anybody can buy one, but at, at this present time, unless you have subsidies, important subsidies, it's not really the case. So rest in peace to the bolt of electric vehicle that I really like, that I recommended uh, many times, even if there was recalls and stuff, GM fixed it. So if you if you want a cheap EV and there's one left at your dealership, and uh, the <laughs> now is the time, you'll still get serviced with it, even if it's not a, it's not a new platform, but uh, still worth it for a vehicle. It's going to be at the end of it, at, at the end of 2023. Gab, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you were in Western Canada to drive a very popular uh, Subaru model here uh, in Quebec, but also in Ontario. It's the uh, Subaru Crosstrek, the uh, very compact crossover at Subaru. And uh, it pretty much stayed the same for for the last years, and now it's got a couple of uh, a couple of uh, new things on it, and not too many. Uh, yeah. I saw the pictures, uh, you know, Subaru. I, I I loved your title. I mean, the more the more changes, the more it stays the same. It's pretty much what it is. However, uh, you got the chance to get behind yeah. the wheel and and see how how it fared. Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, the the Crosstrek is the number one bestseller for Subaru in Canada. Yeah. Since their number one model, uh, it's been like that for a couple of years. Uh, before it used to be the Forester, but now it's the Crosstrek. And what they're presenting today with the 2024 model, they're saying it's the all new third generation Crosstrek, <laughs> which it is, you know, it, yep. it's, it is a third generation vehicle. But in terms of its uh, dimensions and footprint, it is exactly the same as the outgoing model. Now, you and I know that every time you go to the launch of a new generation of a new vehicle, it's always bigger. You know, it's always longer, wider, taller, yep. roomier than the outgoing model. Yes. Not this time. <laughs> <laughs> the footprint of the uh, 2024 uh, Crosstrek is exactly the same as uh, the outgoing model. And even, even with that, every body panel on the car is brand new. <laughs> oh, even what? Yeah, yeah, okay. So there's no no carryover piece parts, okay. you know, from the previous uh, generation. It still it's, looks the same a little bit. They yeah, kind of well, emulated yeah, the look. Obviously, you know, every Subaru <laughs> looks like a Subaru. Yeah. <laughs> if there's one brand yeah, yeah. out there, one automotive brand, yeah, that doesn't, who, it's not too creative with design. <laughs> who really needs a top flight automotive designer? <laughs> 
It's Subaru. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, the cars are good. Yeah, they're practical. They're this, they're that. They're reliable, all that yeah. stuff. Recognizable. But they're, but they're not sexy in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so there you go. But nevertheless, the uh, the Crosstrek, the change is, you know, basically you get a, a bigger grill, new headlights. Like I said, every body panel is new on the car, new taillights, obviously. And uh, the chassis is about 10% stiffer. Okay. And the engines are strictly carryover. <laughs> it was the first time, I think in many years, that I went to the presentation of a new vehicle and not a word was spo- said about the engines. <laughs> because, oh, <right. Yeah. laughs> because it's the same, same as before. So basically, you get the 2-liter four-cylinder engine or the 2.5-liter uh-huh. four-cylinder engine. On. There's four trim levels for, for this car. This yeah. is what's called the convenience, which is the base model. And then you move up to... Uh, the other model, the top two trims are the Onyx and the Limited, and those get the uh, 2.5 liter engine. One thing that happened, uh, two changes with regards to the drivetrain, they've dropped the manual gearbox. That's no longer available. You used to be able to get a Crosstrek, a base Crosstrek with a two liter engine Beautiful. with a manual gearbox. Yeah. No, that's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Forget well, it. So it's basically fuel efficiency, yeah, right? CVT all, everywhere. And uh, the other thing that they dropped from their lineup is the Hybrid. Uh, oh, the plug-in the, hybrid. The, the plug-in yeah. hybrid yeah, yeah. Crosstrek. They've dropped that completely from the lineup. They're not bringing that back. It wasn't very efficient anyways. It wasn't right? very efficient. And also, you know, now Subaru is relying very much on the, the Solterra to be their, oh my God. their eco-mobility yes. vehicle and things like that. Yeah. So all, the Solterra, of course, being the all-electric uh, small SUV. Yeah. So that's, <clears throat> with regards to the, so basically fuel economy is exactly the same as before. Uh, the 2.5 liter is, uh, uh, I would think, the better choice uh, for this car because the 2 liter is kind of a little bit low on power and torque if you're doing stuff like passing on a two-lane highway or things like that. Right. The 2.5 is, is a bit peppier. And also, you know, it only, I think it's 0.1 liters per 100 kilometers more in fuel consumption it's, it's like meaningless you know, mm-hmm. they basically uh, consume the same amount of fuel um, so that would be the the the, the one to get um, they've changed a couple of things with regards to the dynamics of the vehicle first of all the steering rack has been lifted from the WRX so it's faster it's more precise makes the car a little bit more lively okay and also the chassis the they've they've um, improved the uh, torsional rigidity by about 10%. Okay. And so that, in terms of the suspension, that allowed them to soften the damping a little bit. The spring rates are the same, suspension geometry is the same, just the damping is a little bit softer. And you know, the Crosstrek was always this vehicle that was really, really, uh, a really great ride on our bumpy Canadian roads, especially in winter, <laughs> you know, suspensions with a lot of wheel travel, uh, 220 millimeters of ground clearance. And so this new one is even better that way. Right. You know, it rides much better, rides much smoother. Um, and it's it has no problem also doing what we call soft roading. You know, we went off-road on, on some trails and the vehicle... It's uh, but it's not a, a Jeep Wrangler. It's not a Ford Bronco, <laughs> but it can still handle some, you know, mild off-roading. Right, and that's really what well. Subaru owners want to know that they can do. That. Exactly. Then, then, then. Plus, you get the all-wheel drive system, and it's got the X mode, so you've got the modes for mud and snow and, and right. things like that. So, yeah, the vehicle is really, really capable. Mm-hmm. You know, for a small. Uh, for that, for, for that category, for that, yeah, yeah. exactly. Biggest changes inside. 
uh, touchscreen, uh, 11.6 inches, straight out of the Outback and the WRX um, on every trim except the base model. The base model called Convenience that has dual 7-inch screens. But <clears throat> everything else gets that 11.6 touchscreen, which is pretty good. And you get Apple CarPlay and Android Auto wirelessly. Mm-hmm. And a cross track, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And also a charging pad for your uh, induction charging pad for your cell phone. Yep. So, in the for that, you know, it's basically the same as it was before, only better. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's good. That's yeah. you so, know, that's what the the cross track owners are looking for. I guess. But uh, it's going to have some stiffer competition because you know the the new Kona is coming on stream. Yeah, and that's a bigger vehicle than before. So is you know our Subaru owners still going to be satisfied with this cross track, which is not bigger than before. It's yeah. actually the exact same size. So again, so if you're used to uh, parking your Crosstrek in tight spaces, you won't have any trouble with the new one because it's exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> Another key consideration with the Crosstrek is the fact that, you know, the, the as with pretty much everything these days, uh, the pricing has gone up. You know, the pricing has gone up uh, sometimes rather significantly. Uh, Subaru says, well, you know, that's because we have more equipment in our cars now. For example, in certain trims, you get the standard sunroof and things like that. But nevertheless, uh, the, 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 the price range uh, has, uh, has increased uh, and sometimes uh, rather significantly. So to give you an example with regards to pricing, you know, the base model now is $28,995. Dollars and the top trim, which is called the limited, and it's got, it's got leather seats right. and things like that, thirty six thousand nine hundred ninety five. Okay, now that's a big leap. Yeah, now we're talking about a small, again, a compact SUV. Yeah, at thirty six grand plus. So there you go. The t- I think the most popular model will be the Onyx. Yeah, and the Onyx retails for thirty three thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars. So that would be, in my estimation, the one to buy because you get. You know, the, all the good stuff that you want, like the, the bigger 2.5 liter engine, um, uh, the, the large touchscreen uh, in, in, in the cabin, things like that. But you don't get leather seats, which you don't really need for a, a vehicle of this, uh, yeah. this caliber. For my part, uh, I was out in um, North Carolina to drive the very expansive and expensive uh, GLE, Mercedes-Benz GLE uh, lineup for 2024. Uh, Like you said earlier, a couple of minor changes, uh, not an all-new model, obviously, but still a lot of choice. I mean, the GLE is kind of the jack-of-all-trade of of, of this, uh, you know, the... uh, uh, luxury um, mid uh, size uh, vehicles. It's got uh, plenty of trims uh, GLE 350, 450, uh, the uh, GLE uh, 53, which is starts with the AMG, uh, the, the, the first AMG model, and the 63S uh, Plus or uh, Formatic Plus, which is the, the top. And plus, you get the body style, well, you get regular the, SUVs oh or the God. coupe. I was going to say <laughs> regular SUV. Coupe for the AMG models, and also this year um, we don't get them yet, and hopefully we'll get them. But you get the PHEV models, yeah. which on the GLE lineup available in the US. But when I spoke to Mercedes-Benz Canada, they said not quite at launch. We don't know when exactly. It would make sense for us uh, to be able to uh, 
get the PHEVs. But if you look at the lineup, like I said, it's you know like what's what's what. I mean, there's there's so many choices. I think uh, people in the segment, you know, uh, uh, they're really looking for uh, uh, you know pick from from everything, and then that's Mercedes is ready to give it all. Uh, unfortunately, during the drive, there wasn't the entry model at uh, the GLE 350 that mm. was there, which is a you know an important model. It's it's still the entry level at seventy five thousand dollars for 2023. 2024 pricing is not out yet, uh, but still uh, the um, the uh, the newest um, model because it gets uh, the MHEV technology like we spoke before. Uh, the, um, the the 450 and the AMG models uh, all, all all had mild hybrid systems, but the 350 didn't. That's a two-liter uh, four-cylinder engine. Now outputs 295 horsepower. It's up about 22 or 25 horsepower, I think, from 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 before, thanks to the uh, the uh, MHEV, uh, the the hybrid uh, system, which now Mercedes prides itself. You know, with the the full uh, GLE lineup is now hybrid because of the AMGV. So now electrified. There you go. Now, now, <laughs> now electrified. But it still brings more power, uh, a little bit more more uh, more guts to this entry level model, which is you know the 350 was the four cylinder turbocharged engine. I mean, it wasn't the best engine to have in that big truck. Uh, my tester, I drove the 450, which is the the uh, the six cylinder. Um, you know, they took us on several different roads. I mean. Uh, before the test drive, I mean, the um, uh, they explained to us all the, 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 the what's new on the vehicles, except for the BHEV models and cosmetic changes, and you know little software tweaks here and there. There's not much new uh, on the GLE, uh, however, uh, and except for that MHEV technology on the 350, of course. Um, Driving a mid-size SUV, luxury mid-size SUV on roads that they took us, which was, you know, I think it was like the tail of the dragon <laughs> type kind of road uh, out in uh, Asheville. And uh, it's, you know, heavy vehicles, a lot of technologies to control body roll. Like, the, you know, they use the, the 48 volt system, not yeah, only for the active roll bars, for, for, like not that. only for, for, mm. for hybrid, uh, you know, to, to give more mm. power, but also to activate the active roll bar to be able to get that truck to not roll around when you're driving as spiritedly, but uh, you still feel the weight. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's 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 a big vehicle, very spacious, very comfortable. Obviously, um, uh, the infotainment system is you know uh, super clear. Not it's easy to use, but there's so many functions in there that you know one could get lost if 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 you're not you know used to all this uh, this the new MBUX system that you can speak to actually uh, say hey Mercedes uh, you know lower the temperature hey Mercedes do do this and do that it's not something that I really test when I when I when I drive these vehicles uh, but something that maybe if you got your hands full and and the vehicle is full of of of, of uh, <laughs> your children and family and whatnot and everybody's you you don't want to you know fiddle around with the, with the infotainment system, it could get useful. Uh, the more fun variants, uh, the 53 and 63 S. Very glad that in the 63, uh, the AMG 63, the uh, V8 is still around. Uh, that's something that's kind of being faded out in the uh, in the industry. And then, um, is it useful? Uh, to buy a 63S. I don't know exactly the, the new pricing for the 2024, but it's going to be really expensive. I mean, if you're looking at a midsize SUV, it's usually, you know, what kind of what kind of people, what kind of 
uh, buyer is it? Is it the family that's looking for efficiency, space, and luxury, or is it someone that's looking for something big and makes a lot of noise? Then you know, for the latter, I would <laughs> definitely recommend looking at the 63. But then again, there's so much choice, you know, in in in, in that price range. I mean, yeah, I think I, I think the the way to go with the GLE is either the 450. Yeah, or the 53 AMG. Mm. I think those. That's the that's which where is pretty you much be. the same engine. Yeah. It's just it's just tweaked for AMG on the on the 53. Yeah, exactly. So I think that would be the you know the the, the soft target. Yeah, right I mean there. the AMG 53. I mean it all depends on the new pricing. Yeah, I, I'd have to check what the new pricing is because you're paying for that engine and then it, it's kind of tuned to be to, to have AMG power. Uh, depending on the pricing, look at the pricing. Maybe stick for the 450 and fill it up with, with everything you need in it. Mm. I mean, it's a sufficient, it's sufficiently powerful, that, that six-cylinder engine. Um, it's, you know, there's not much to say about the GLE, honestly. It's, a, it's got a third-row option, you know, it's not made for, you know, very tall people, as it is with, you know, in that, in that segment, there's not, you know, you're looking for, you're expecting a lot of comfort in all rows, and then in that row, well, you, it's not really the case. And obviously the fact that, you know, it's it, the PHEV models are not in Canada yet at launch. But all in all, in the end, I find that you can, there's so much choice in that segment. And I think the GLE is trying to do like so much. And, you know, it kind of lacks a little bit of personality. It's, you know, you, you see them all lined up. They're all the same. They're all, you know, maybe the grill in the front on the AMG models is different and the wheels and stuff. But it's, you know, if you're looking for, for versatility and luxury, right, but personality and that price range, you're going to get a lot. You know, So that's what I think about the new 2024 GLE. Hopefully the PHEV models will make it to Canada because that's pretty interesting. And otherwise, we'll get the pricing soon on uh, the car guide. Uh, Gab, tonight I'm leaving uh, for Italy to go drive the Alfa, Alfa Romeo Tonal. Arrivederci. Uh, thank you. Or the, uh, <laughs> the, the Dodge Hornet, <laughs> depending on, on, on how you see it. But the uh, Alfa Romeo Tonal, there's uh, obviously, we've been talking a lot about uh, a plug-in hybrid today. And uh, uh, the Tonal is going to have the, uh, the PHEV uh, to be able to, uh, for us to test. So we're going to see how it fares uh, for, uh, you know, against the competition, but also how it differs. Uh, from the, the Hornet, which is people think it's exactly the same thing. When you look at them, they don't look exactly the same. Hopefully, uh, the driving dynamics have been tweaked, but yeah, it's the same. Hopefully. Pretty much, hopefully, <laughs> very hopeful. Uh, so we'll we'll we'll, get, we'll be able to get you. I'll be able to get you the uh, the full uh, full impressions and take on on this Tonale. And uh, following uh, that event, it's going to be the Vinfast VF8 second drive. I know you drove that vehicle briefly, very, very briefly <laughs> for about ten minutes in Vietnam. Uh, very pre 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 production vehicle. Now yeah. the vehicles are. Made Making their way to North America, and they're organizing a drive for us to be able to put our hands on them and 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 you know give them a good honest uh, shot. And uh, I've never driven, obviously, a Vinfast. They, they just came out, so I'm really excited to see what this uh, brand has to offer. So I'll be able to report on that. And you're heading to Europe as well, uh, yeah, next week. Yeah, going to Brussels, uh, going to the Audi Brussels plant. That's where they manufacture. What is now known as the Audi Q8 e-tron and the SQ8 e-tron. Uh, so this is uh, Audi's uh, electric uh, SUV. It used to be called the e-tron Quattro, but they've changed the uh, nomenclature, the, you know, the model designation, um, because now from now on, uh, all the Audi cars will be designated with the letter A. All the SUVs still with the letter Q. Yep. But the number, uh, the 
uh, even numbers are going to designate electric vehicles, and the odd numbers are going to dis- uh, wow. designate. Uh, I didn't know that gasoline powered okay. cars. So there's going to be a huge change, you know, in the lineup. Okay, uh, we already have the Q4 e-tron, and now the bigger. Uh, vehicle is going to be known as the Q8 uh, e-tron. But that also means that later on down the line, a car like the A4, gasoline powered, it's going to now be called the A5. Which makes so And there's already an existing A5 model. So for right. the next couple of years, there's going to be a bit of a, uh, a, a mixed bag, if you yeah. will, of, uh, of model designations. But eventually, as it is now with everybody, yeah. so. but it's going to st- straighten itself out. And so we're going to go see this this plant where they build these uh, all electric vehicles, and also get to drive the Q8 again, uh, which is going to be fun uh, over in uh, in Brussels. And hopefully, we'll get to eat mussels and fries. Go, <laughs> <There you laughs> go. Yeah, wish it. Yeah, of course, of course. So we'll be able to report back on those drives uh, in a couple of weeks uh, for the next episode of the Car Guide podcast. Thank you for listening again uh, follow us on uh, on facebook and tiktok and instagram and you can uh, keep all the um the uh, uh, keep your eye on the website for all the information pricing uh, on everything we talked about today uh, so we'll see you in a couple of weeks thank you very much cap take care and so long thank you for listening to the car guide podcast don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review if you'd like Visit us at carguideweb.com for daily updates and news on everything auto, as well as weekly reviews and drives. You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at The Official Car Guide.